Everyone has a story, but not everyone is a storyteller. Hello, my name is Karen Tang, Tang Keren, and my name is Ahmed Nomadic Ali. Welcome. You're listening to Otherwise Wisdom from the Other, a podcast dedicated to empowering diverse communities living on Treaty Six territory by sharing stories of their lived experiences. We're recording this episode on July fifth, twenty twenty-one. Hey, Ahmed, how's it going? Not bad at all. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad the the heat wave is over. Oh my goodness! Don't even get me started.、Uh, the older I get, I know I'm African. I know I was born in Somalia, but the older I get, the less I like heat. I moved away from Ontario a little while ago, well, not a, little, a long time ago, because of the heat and the smothering humidity. And so I'm grateful it's gone. Heat wave sucked, and、uh, you know what? I I keep telling myself like, oh, this reminds me so much of my hometown in China. It's, that's how I, that's what I keep making it feel better. <laughs> that it's. It's not fun. I tried to open the windows up. That didn't work. And let me tell you something. Because I've lived in apartments my whole life,、uh, we recently bought a home, but we haven't moved yet. We still live in a condo, and so I open the front door, and then I put a fan and use the AC from the hallway. Because hey, listen, man, I gotta get cool somehow, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So it's been a few weeks since I since I、uh, spoken with you, and、uh, what's been some highlight, some low light for you? Um. The highlights、uh, is that we're starting to get underway. Door knocking is going to happen right away. I know I've been、uh, vaccinated since last time we spoke, but、um, I'm really excited to go door knock and, and see people and be in the public.、Uh, but I'm also very wary of the no mask thing.、Um, so that's what is exciting me is that I'm getting ready to do that to door knock and to speak with people.、Uh, the low would be the amount of time that I have to spend away from family. Um, I really love my children, and they really,、um, honestly, re-energize me because I'm a very introverted person. And reading and being with my family is how I regain my energy. And campaigning is totally opposite of that. And so, it's I'm I'm grateful, but it's challenging. Yourself? Yeah, I mean, Lola, I can relate to what you're saying. You know, the that constant guilt、uh, when it comes to family time、uh, and with my daughter. You know, trying to carve my schedule around that. It's it's a challenge, it, but it is also very much a reality、uh, for for I think candidates、uh, like us with young family.、Um, and it's just something that we have to constantly kind of work at、uh, and support each other, and to know that you are not alone.、Um, but I also feel, I guess. I, I mean, this has been something I've been feeling for for a while, and I'm sure you have too. I'm not,、uh, you know, a few weeks ago, it was really nice to see you in person at the Islamophobia rally. I didn't even recognize you. I think it was the mask, but it was a a whole a whole new experience seeing people, seeing that many people in person, and I thought it was really powerful, right? And then you know, this week I've been speaking with. Uh, folks from the Sikh community about what's been happening at the Gurdwara in in Mill Woods, which there's been lots of reporting around around some of the racial discrimination and targeting of of you know this place of worship, and it just feels constant. Now I'm kind of waiting for like you know which what community next is going to be targeted, and and that anticipation is you know that's a drag, that's a drag, but I guess a highlight,、uh, like you mentioned. Uh, double vaxxed as well, and、um, I'm hitting the doors, and it feels really good. And it reminds me that you know it's not a real campaign if you're not talking to real 
everyday people. And, you know, just just an example today, lots of uh, conversations spend quite a bit of time hearing about someone's experience with racial profiling. And it was, you know, horrifying, but it was also, um, you know, from one thing from that story, and then you kind of move on to the next one about uh, the LRT and the housing. And it's just the range of it. I think it's, you know, what tells me is that people are paying attention. People care about their communities. People are civically engaged. And I think that's actually really good to hear. And so that's, that's been the highlight. And I'm looking forward to, you know, every day hearing more stories like that. And one of the things I'm hearing a lot about, and I don't know if you are, but I imagine it's going to be a, a major uh, election issue is uh, mobility and connectivity and transit and different modes of getting from point A to B. Um, but certainly, you know, we're seeing a huge impact in the Southeast. And I'm very curious to hear how things are going in the, in the North side. I think the other day when I was uh, chatting with a senior, you know, she has a she has a bus stop right right outside her backyard. And she normally can take that bus as her primary mode of transportation to the mall in no time. It's very convenient, you know, uh, you know, there's a set schedule. And now there's a huge transition. And I think a lot of people are just getting used to this transition of needing to use an app and technology to figure out what they need to do. And then now she has to take the same route. You know, the same route takes two, at least two more transfers. And she was like, like, why, why did they have to change such a good thing? So I think one thing is adapting to that change. But two, you know, I'm thinking there's a lot of seniors, you know, in the Southeast who are, um, they might not necessarily be as familiar with the technology or, and when I say literacy, you know, it's not just like the English language, but also just the literacy of navigating around some of these systems that are quite new, I think is a huge challenge. And I'm hearing it like almost every other day. Speaking to this literacy Thing that you were mentioning, for those who may not understand directly what Karen means in terms of literacy, it means just knowing and having the lived experience behind these things. It's not always about picking up and knowing, like reading something verbatim as is, it's how to navigate a system as well to be literate in that system. And so it's challenging for a lot of the elders who don't have the time or the access to phones to plan out their schedule, whereas before it was simply just going within every hour or every other hour and you know what your next um, connection was going to be because it was based on the time and not necessarily you having a book. So yeah, it's challenging. I remember when I was growing up, the neighborhoods that I lived in were a lot more quote unquote ghetto, nothing like a real ghetto at all. It just means that I grew up in um, government housing and the transit at that time was really accessible because a lot of the working families lived in those neighborhoods. But now with the new system, it almost feels like that or those neighborhoods are being deprived of that access because a lot of those folks are busy just trying to make their ends meet. And so now having a plan around their ends meet becomes that much more challenging. And just um, to give you an example of uh, me growing up in my neighborhood, I remember I would be able to take a bus and it would take me right to, um, say, Northgate and from Northgate to downtown or wherever I need it. But now you need to pick up, plan, know exactly when to do it. You got to arrange your schedule behind that. Um, I know I assist my mother in doing her uh, things like this with the health and planning it out. And I know how challenging and overwhelmed she feels. So we're taking power away from the people who use the transit the most. And if, even if you think about it, 
right? The challenge of changing his transit system, one can speculate, has led to the increase of Muslim women being attacked because now there is an extra duration for you having to wait and that creates even more anxiety. So now the people who are from those communities who do need to use the transit because that's the most accessible are now scared of using that. And it's not going to change because you're going to put more people, more security. That's not that's not safety. You need to empower individuals by putting the power in their hand, by giving them access into the knowledge. I, I, I know this sounds like a speculation, but I honestly feel like these decisions weren't really thoroughly consulted with the communities. And if I'm not mistaken, Karen, we're talking about how there possibly wasn't even translation for this stuff. Yeah. Okay. I want to come back to a number of points that you you raised, but I'll start with this issue of, I think, power. Um, I will say that I think, you know, as a sort of a regular able-bodied, you know, person who kind of, you know, able to reschedule, know how to navigate on apps, you know, for a long time, I felt pretty, uh, pretty comfortable, you know, using the transit system, I think. And then when I became pregnant and then later when I, you know, would, would transport my daughter downtown with me to go to daycare and I had a stroller. And all of a sudden, I think I fall into this category of vulnerable road user or transit user. And I remember very um, vividly that one time I was waiting at the downtown bus stop. Uh, it was rush hour, so there's a ton of people. And the bus 8 or 15 would go by constantly be packed. And they wouldn't let new people come on because it's so full. And I remember I was standing there next to it and then, you know, the next one was about to arrive and everyone started to line up because we can see it approaching. And I was standing next to a gentleman in a wheelchair and I'm like getting ready to kind of like squeeze my in up there and be like, yeah, for sure people are going to make space. And he said to me, he was like, don't even bother. No one's going to make space for you. And I'm just like, if this is how he feels, I'm sure a lot of people feel that way. I felt that way. And I think that's when you have a system like transit that actually takes power away from people. And I, and I think you kind of hit, hit the nail on, on the head there, because um, if we don't empower people with this very basic mode of getting around, of being mobile in your city, you know, what is, what is the good of a system? Um, I mean, you talked about, like, you touched on so many points there around, you know, safety issue. And yeah, there's uh, so many marginalized communities, um, low-income families, you know, they disproportionately use transit, as you said. And right now, I, you know, when we think about, like, a lot of the safety issues that come up, the first thing, the first response we have is, let's put up the protective shields of the bus driver. And then I'm like, okay, what about other people on the buses? Or we have we you know ramp up our enforcement officers with the transit peace officers. You know, I think there's a really interesting uh, point about, you know, what about preventative uh, measures? What about making more frequent stops? Um, you know, I think they've, you know, they've tried that with sort of on-demand stop, especially at nighttime, um, so that, you know, the bus can kind of drop you off closer to home rather than make you walk much longer. I think those are kinds of prevention and like lighting issues that can, um, have a lot bigger impact. We should acknowledge as well, and I think we both acknowledge that uh, revenue is challenging, budgeting is challenging. We're not saying do all of these things. No, it's just how come it feels like communities that are at risk, quote unquote, or diverse communities or the communities that use transit are the ones that are affected the most. You know, that's that's the question that I have. Who are you speaking with? Like even 
today I was reading an article in the Edmonton Journal talking about parking fees and how it raised one million in five years. But what about the families you're going to impact because you're not taking into account how transit has changed? Because I know my family and I, when we were going to Heritage Festival, we're not driving there, we're taking the bus, right? We're all taking the bus. And now that the bus is constrained or the, the, the system has changed so much, we're most likely going to drive. And then that creates more chaos on the road and more cars. And if we're thinking about the environment, that's not the right way to go by enforcing or making it less accessible to these diverse communities who are most likely to use the parks or the transit, right? It just, it seems very disproportionate. If I'm not mistaken, um, IFSA and the Multicultural Health Brokers uses uh, WhatsApp videos to translate and communicate changes for individuals. How come the city doesn't take uh, individual approaches like that that have been known to work, right? Like, for example, I know there's a lot of Muslims that go to Friday prayer, and I know there are issues with parking in specific areas because some businesses are located right next to mosques. It causes some type of challenge. Why not create a transit system or a way where people could park far away from the mosque, but also utilize the transit, which then would increase their connectivity to the city, but also benefit from the environment? It just it just seems that there's not enough consultation. Yeah, I mean, I think this this draws on I think on a much bigger topic around engagement and engagement method, and you know, not you don't get you don't. You can't get all the information from an open house and all the sticky notes. Um, what I would like to see, and I think this was a missed opportunity in the in the bus network redesign, is the much much stronger user experience design, which means you focus on specific users of let's say uh, of transit, uh, of that you know that gentleman, uh, for example, in the wheelchair I was talking about, of the senior you know who is so used to her shopping mall transit that now she has to kind of adjust to a whole new world using apps of the folks who are driving, you know, and finding having so much trouble finding parking, you know, trying to 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 go to Friday prayers at the mosque. What if we kind of looked at their individual experience and mapped it out and to say, how can we make that trip so much easier? Um, how can we make the ridership experience so much better so that people will flock to the buses and not see the buses as, you know, the last resort? And how can those businesses benefit from these people coming as well? Yeah, exactly. And I think, and, you know, and, and and I know there's been pilots done with shuttling, uh, you know, folks to religious services, uh, but oftentimes they're quite short duration that you don't necessarily get into a groove for people to to really see a huge impact. And I would love to see uh, something like, um, yeah, a shuttle from, I don't know, the Millbourne Mall to the Marquez uh, Mosque in Richfield uh, down in Mill Woods. And then who knows, while people are waiting around for the, for the next bus, they're, they're doing some shopping as well, you know, because, you know, we know right now the, um, the small businesses could really use that help. Honestly, that's an extremely good point. That's where the lived experience comes from. And and I know we, as diverse folks, we constantly talk about representation matters. And I don't I don't say that lightly. Like, I, I really mean that. And, I, and I'm not just saying we need to see Black faces and Asian faces. But no, we need people who are going through that experience. And I'm, I'm speaking from a point of privilege for the people that are listening. I'm not saying that I am living a really hard life. I'm not. I'm not. I am privileged. So when folks come to me and ask me about my community and how they can do better for my community, I say, hey, I'm not a representation of my community. I am well off. You need to go and directly speak. Don't use me as a substitute 
for what you think I know about my community. How about you go experience the buses with them and you spend time with them? Because in all honesty, racism, ignorance, and the challenges that we have in society stem from ignorance and the lack of community collaboration. And there is so much potential for that, but that only happens when we have diverse perspectives. Yeah, and I think you and I, we hear these stories day in and day out. You know, I'm thinking about the grandparents uh, who are coming overseas. Uh, some of them don't really speak very much English at all. So never mind the app that they had to figure out to use the buses. But sometimes they have to rely on their kids as their, you know, mode of transit because buses aren't that convenient. And they have to, you know, they're here to kind of take care of their their grandkids, but without easy way of getting around, it's also a social isolation issue. You know, I've seen it certainly uh, in the Chinese community, and I can only imagine what it's like for some of the other communities. So, you know, this isn't like a mobility here isn't just like, oh, you know, big cities have transit systems. It's a it's a mental health thing. It's a community issue. Um, it's a climate issue. Uh, it's, you know, it's an economy issue, like the example we just gave and that's why, to me, this is you know a very important priority for at least you know for our platform in my campaign that covers you know all three of those areas of community, economy, and climate. Yeah, I'm just reflecting back on my time on the Somali Canadian Women and Children Board. One thing that the city helped out with, I could be wrong, but one thing they did do at the time, I would just say we did was they had uh, bus tickets for mothers who would come and benefit from the English classes or whatever it may be. And so they were incentivized by being provided a bus ticket to get home. That convenience and that accessibility to get out of their home made it of value. But now the time amount is just, it's too much, right? It's not its not the same incentive, it seems like. Um, it just seems that it's now benefiting more of the development and that's and again urban sprawl i can argue with this we value parking lots over people it just seems like for the longest time two things have happened one there hasn't been consultation and really diverse voices at the table and nobody's thinking about the future and the youth they constantly think about now and not necessarily what needs to happen 10 years from now or 20 years from now as an indigenous elders said it best uh, we don't inherit the land, we borrow it from our grandchildren. So we need to plan consistently for them, right? And so we're only creating more challenges for them if we're not creating a system or a trans system that gives them access to their education, to their recreational, and then back to their home in a very comfort, comfortable, convenient, and safe manner. This is, you know, we come back to... Uh... Some of the reasons why I'm running for city council is because I do think uh, people with lived experience or at least connections to communities uh, who can bring forward those stories is so critical. If we look at the, never mind city council itself, but if you look at something like, you know, the Edmonton Transit uh, Services Advisory Board, you got 12 people, you got four women, you have a very few who, who are maybe immigrant background. And, you know, I think we always need more diverse perspective, no matter like which board, you know, agency and commissioning it is, but we need different perspectives and people who are able to bring those stories forward to shape the policies and decisions. Immigrant communities are the best at being frugal. We are just talking about a little while ago how I was using the AC from the hallway to keep cool. We know ways to make things convenient. I think if the city really consulted from a community approach, it would change a lot of the services and how those services are approached, right? 
just last night, I, every time I watch a movie like this, I get really angry. So I don't know why I do this to myself, but I watched The Black Messiah, which was about Fred Hampton. And, you know, the services that were provided, I'm, you know, the child, there's so much there, but just the core services of feeding the children and educating each other. And these things are how um, eventually you try to do these things somehow in the long run. It, it creates a negative look on you as a radical. Really, what you're saying is we need to get out of this. We shouldn't be living in these challenges. It normally happens when you have diverse voices, but it seems like, I don't know exactly what the line was, but in the movie, it was like war is uh, politics with fighting, right? And then politics is war without fighting, meaning that you're still doing, you're creating policies on these things, but there's just no war, there's no violence involved in that. But in reality, right, look at the challenges of transit. Women who are hijabis, who are Muslim, who are black, are being targeted. So there, it eventually does lead to violence, these policies. If we want to improve the system, I think there's like so many different layers you know, you talk about the different engagement approach um, from WhatsApp video to, to translation, although I feel like we can go on a whole tangent about the challenges translating City of Edmonton materials into different languages. Um, I've had some personal issues with that. Uh, so, I, so I know how challenging this is anyways. But you also got your, you got to have your GBA plus your gender-based uh, analysis tool. You have these tools. We should use them. You know, uh, we should use uh, journey maps. We should, we should learn from user experience, you know. Um, and then on top, you know, the third, the third pillar is really, you know, thinking about the voices who are informing uh, these stories, who, who people who are bringing these community voices forward. Uh, how can we make sure that those folks are really there to prioritize? It's all right. It's not about speaking for your community. It's providing access for your community to speak for themselves so they can be at the table and actually provide that lived experience because no one, not everyone knows to come to a council meeting and speak on an issue. Not everybody has that privilege. So for, for those who are wondering, maybe Ahmed is just straight up complaining and has no solutions. What I'm trying to say is I understand that there's a revenue issue. I recognize that. And I'm not saying I have the answers. What I am saying is there's not enough being done to consult communities or even to look at some of the um, solutions that have come from diverse communities who face challenges via transit or accessibility to homes or whatever it may be. There are a lot of resources hands-on that these communities have done. And so I guess it's a dis disservice to them to not only listen, to not, not listen to them, but to also cut some of the most essential services that they have. And so I'm saying there needs to be better consultation because transit is a bloodline that connects these many different communities because not everybody has access to 15-minute communities, which also used to change. Yeah, but there's another topic. I mean, to me, it goes beyond consultation. It's about co-creating, you know, a route. You know, imagine that there is a particular project dedicated to co-creating a route and a service and a ridership experience with the disability community, for example, or with you know a you know a mosque community, for example. I don't know, uh, with uh, maybe with a business uh, community, and and I think the outcome is so much will be so much stronger than let's just like, hey, here's the issue. Give me your thoughts on post-its. So I, I feel like we generally miss that co-creation piece uh, in, in city work. Uh, and I would love to see more of that. Yeah, it's not a one, it's not a one-off shoot. It's not a, a four-term thing. Again, it's about planning for the long term. 
the challenge exists now and we know that challenge exists now and we've, we're going through the challenge. How do we prevent that from happening in the future? Because I got two young children, you got a young uh, child, and I, I know we work really hard to educate our children on the value of economy in terms of the environment, in terms of what their footprint is, meaning whether they recycle or not, the benefit of recycling. So it doesn't really justify or assist them if I'm providing them this knowledge, but then they don't have the resources to, to back that, that living up, you know? And I just want to do a plug. If you're curious about mobility and connectivity and transit uh, in the southeast, in the suburbs, you know, check out my link tree on Twitter or Instagram for a recording of a community conversation with Heiko Chima from Paths for People. It was a wonderful time speaking and chatting about this topic with you. I know we can go on for days talking about this stuff, and I know it's a lot more de deeper than just a quick podcast. But I think it's important to talk about this. And so it was always a wonderful time spending time with you, uh, Karen, and chatting about important conversations. Likewise, likewise. Thank you for listening. This episode was edited by Lisa Pruden with direct support and guidance by Omar Yacoub. Music produced by Kazmik. Otherwise, Podcast is an affiliate member of the Operative Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Special thanks to Megan Robinson Anagor, Jenna Moji, and Morenike Molaoshe Pikan, who are co founders and contributors to season one of the Otherwise Show, done with the support of the Ribbon Rouge Foundation. You can find past and current episodes at ribbonrouge.com slash otherwise dash show. To follow our journey, you can check us out at Karen Tang, YEG, and A Nomadic on Twitter and Instagram. Or at our websites, karentang.ca and ahmedali.ca. Thanks for joining. See you next time.